1: Let's get to part three of today's show, and we are going to be doing on these these new shows. I'm going to be doing them Tuesdays and Thursdays. These solo solo shows. One of the topics each day is going to be sort of an off season off season overview of the Notre Dame roster, and just it's kind of a look back at what was, what was lost, what arrives, and sort of expectations and questions and concerns and exciting aspects of of each position group and so we did quarterback last week and this week we're going to talk linebackers and the first the first thing you think about is just the narrative how much the narrative has changed from a year ago to now a year ago in these chats we're trying to convince everyone hey jd bertrand is actually pretty good it's it, it, we shouldn't be writing off Maris Leifau yet." Jack Kaiser can do some nice things. And no, we shouldn't bench all the veterans and just put the young guys in because these guys bring value. They're going to be better in year two and all those type of things. And they were. There was a lot there was a lot of good things we saw from the linebacker position this year. And it was like all the concerns and complaints that you all had that we had in 2022 were valid. They were valid. The linebacker play in 2022 wasn't good enough. At, and like J.D. Bertrand was was solid. I thought he was pretty good. Jack Kaiser had his moments that were really good, and some moments that weren't really good. And Maris Leafau largely struggled, and and so I, those things were all true. And we even said, "Hey, Maris has got to show us." Well, then you come fast forward to 2023, and the linebacker position becomes the strength of the defense. Obviously, J.D. Bertrand was able to to do what he does and just goes out and and you know is is the captain of the Notre Dame defense. He has a productive season know, racks up a lot, you know, just continued production and and just makes a lot of plays and gets a senior bowl invite and just has a really, really good season. And I was very happy. It just it meant a lot to me to watch Riley Leonard or excuse me, uh, JD Bertrand go out and play in the bowl game. I thought that was a, a cool moment. Maris Leafau chose not to do that. It's fine. It is what it is. No, but Maris was a very solid player for Notre Dame this year, very underrated player for Notre Dame. And you know, I broke down on Tuesday when I talked about the pass rush numbers. For the Notre Dame defense this season, I, I broke down how much improvement we saw from the linebacker position from last year to this year, and, and just how impactful that was. What was interesting is the year before, it was a major problem. The, the just the lack of ability to put any pressure on the quarterback. I mean, they 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 blitzed a lot, but they just weren't any good at it. And and so the numbers are really fascinating. and I'm going to bring them up again here, but last year. The Notre Dame linebackers combined, this is according to Pro Football Focus, combined your starting three linebackers, Marist, Maris JD Birch Rand, and Jack Kaiser combined for thirty-one pressures. In twenty 2020, twenty that's twenty twenty two, the starting three for the entire season combined for thirty one. Fifteen from J D, eleven from Marist, and then uh six from Jack. And this season, however, they had that they had also thirteen hits on the quarterback, by the way. Then you look at 2023. J.D. Bertrand, by himself, had 30 pressures this season and 11 hits on the quarterback. All right, I'm going to say that again. Last season, the linebackers as an entire unit, or start, starting unit, had 31 pressures on the quarterback, 13 hits on the quarterback, sacks plus hits on the quarterback. So 13 times they contacted the quarterback. That's an average of one per game from your starters. In 2023, J.D. Bertram by himself had 30 pressures and 11 sacks or hits in the quarterback. Maris Leofau had 25 by himself and nine hits on the quarterback. And Jack Kaiser had 12 and six. So you went from 31 pressures to 67 pressures. That's more than double. You went from 13 hits on the quarterback To 26 hits on the quarterback, that's double, and they did not double the number of times they went after the quarterback. I can assure you of that. You saw a lot more improvement from the linebacking core this past season, and and just the overall production from the position was really outstanding.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed.
1: And now we're having a different conversation. Last year it was, I hope they replace these guys. I can't wait till they replace those guys. Now it's, you just lost some really good football players, same guys. And how they get replaced is going to largely determine if your defense can continue the success that it had in 2023. And it's... You know, it's it, it's kind of interesting how that narrative has changed, and it's changed because of the work that these kids put in. It's it it, it 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 changed because the the feel that they had for the defense, they knew the defense better, and it also changed because Al Golden did some things this year from a coaching standpoint, and then the arrival of Max Bullo, which I think had a big role in that as well. To, to put these kids in a better position. So they didn't just run the same pressures that they did last year, some at times, but they also did a lot of new things and played to their strengths a lot more. So you've got to now replace those guys. J.D. Bertrand's gone. Maris Leofow's gone. That's 120 tackles. That's 13 and a half tackles for loss. That's five and a half sacks. That's 55 pressures. That's 20 hits on the quarterback that you have to replace. And you're starting the linebacker was a two-time team captain and everyone will say hey this is the guy that got your defense set that this is the guy that that ran your defense everything ran through him he made sure everybody was lined up and all those type of things and you're going to lose that and that's a big loss and to me you could make the case that that JD Bertrand And I'm not sure if it would be my pick, but I think it's worth debating. Is J.D. Bertrand the biggest loss that Notre Dame had from the 2023 season from the standpoint of the combination of production, leadership, and just how everything ran through him? Joe Walt's clearly the best player that Notre Dame lost, but you've got a five-star kid that's kind of ready to step in. And Joe Walt just had to kind of play his position at a high level. He was not like the center. We had to get everybody lined up or the quarterback and all those type of things. You know, uh, Aldrich estimates is a better player than J.D. Bertrand. Cam Hart, I would argue, is probably a better player than J.D. Bertrand. But J.D. Bertrand had so much value as a player for all the things that he brought to the table. You've got to replace that now. And so that's what was lost. And then what returns, however, and this is the, the opposite side of the coin, is no one on your roster in my opinion, is going to be able to, to do what J.D. Bertrand did this season. You're going to do the best you can. You're going to be better at it, but you can't you can't replicate experience at that position unless they decide to move Jack Kaiser there, which I don't think would be a smart move. But even then, Jack Kaiser hasn't played that position before outside of one game, and I didn't think he played all that great in that one game, if, if we're going to be honest about, about that. So you're not going to replace that. So, what what do you do? You, you don't try. You don't try to replace it. What you try to do is say, okay, how can we evolve our defense? And that's going to be the question. But what are you revolving your defense around? Well, the good news is, is you, you lose a lot of experience and you lose a lot of production, but you're replacing it with really good talent. And and that's where this is what good teams do, right? What do good teams do? Yes, they're gonna Georgia lost players from their 21 title team, some pretty good players. They got and win it again in 2022. Michigan lost some really good players from their 2022 team. They come out in 2023, they replace those guys, they win a championship. Good teams reload, they don't they don't rebuild, they reload. It just is gonna look different. And so what does that mean? When you look at what comes back, obviously Jack Kaiser returns. And I'll talk more about him later. So I'm I'm kind of blowing past Jack now, not because it's insignificant, just because I have him in, in another area where I'll talk more about him and I don't want to be redundant. You're also bringing back Jalen Sneed, former five-star recruit, big-time talent, really got his first chance to get any kind of meaningful action this season with any kind of consistent meaningful action this season. You know, obviously early in the season, Jalen got a chance to play a lot, didn't play as much later in the year. I don't think because he I don't I would argue because he didn't necessarily play all that well early in the season. He had some moments, but he also had a lot of struggles, in my opinion. But you come out later in the season, I thought he played better in a bowl game than he did earlier in the season. And so he'll now have a chance to to really hopefully make that year three jump. I mean, you know, Jalen played 39 snaps as a true freshman. And a big chunk of those came in the bowl game against uh, he some uh, some of it came against Navy, but a big chunk of it came in the bowl game against South Carolina. This year, he jumps up to 231 snaps. So, how does he benefit from that? How does Jalen grow from that? Do we see him evolve as a player? Does he use that experience? to fuel himself, to be more focused this off season, to, to, to continue to enhance his technical part of his game. Now that he's got another year in the system, you know, what, what does Jalen Seed bring to the table and where does he play? Do they play him at Rover? Do they play him at will. Do they move him to both? Is he going Or is he going to stay in his primarily third down pass rushing role? I believe Jalen Sneed's going to get a chance this spring to win a starting job along with other players but there's a lot he has to prove. The good news is, is he's very talented. But I think the first question that I want to see answered this spring is where does he play? Where do they start, Jalen Sneed out? Does he stay? At, does he stay at Rover where he played in the bowl game? Does he? Does he get action at Will where he played at times during the regular season? He's played both. He can play both. It's just going to come down to, you know, where where do they feel he is best suited now? Where is his game? His 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 overall game from an athletic standpoint, from a what he does well standpoint, and from a knowledge of the defense standpoint, where does he fit best? And they're going to have to decide that. Obviously, you also bring back the your your last year's freshman class, which was very talented. You've got Drake Bowen returns a linebacker. You've got Jay Nawsbury coming back a linebacker. And, of course, you've got Preston Zinter coming back a linebacker. And, honestly, it's that trio that – gives me a sense of I think they'll be okay a linebacker this year because you, you do have Jack Kaiser coming back who can play a couple spots you do have Jalen Seed coming back who can play a couple spots but that freshman class to me has a chance to be really really special and there's some question marks about them and and I'll get into that a little bit here as as I dive into to different aspects of this but you do return that talent and Jaden Osbury this year only played 21 snaps. Drake Bone only played 74 snaps, but it's about twice of what Jalen Steve played in his first year. And it's 74 more snaps than what J- JD Bertram played in his first year. But he, he did get some meaningful, uh, both of them got some meaningful uh, practice reps this year, obviously, as being part of the, the second team defense at time. No, you know, Drake got a lot of action against Stanford. He played 18 snaps against Oregon State. But the other thing about Drake that you have to remember is Drake played a lot of special teams this season. And so while that doesn't necessarily help him to play linebacker per se, he did play 161 snaps on special teams this season. And so the two combined, he had a 230 some snaps this season. That's a lot of that's a lot of opportunities to play. And to be on the field, meaning running out on the field for the first time is not going to be new for him this season. It's not going to be something to where you, you look at, at, at Drake and you're like, gee, he's just never really been in that spotlight. He has been in that spotlight. He just hasn't played a ton of it at linebacker. But Drake did get a chance to play a lot. Jay Nallsbury also played 40 snaps this year on special team. So even though he only played, what did I say, 20, 21 snaps on defense, he did play 40 snaps on special teams this season. He played in uh, the first four games of the season, uh, he, or three, four, four of the first five games of the season. He played three snaps on special teams against Navy, played 10 against Tennessee State, 15 against Central Michigan, and four against Ohio State, and then they redshirted him. And he didn't play again until the bowl game. He also played 14 snaps on defense against Tennessee State and then six in the bowl game. And and so you you got a chance to see them both run around. Jaden was productive in the one game he played in the regular season. He played 14 snaps against Tennessee State and had three tackles. It's pretty good production. Uh, and and he was the guy that I actually had ranked higher coming out of high school than than Drake. I think they were. Uh, let me let me look it up here. A qu- I think they were one and two in my defensive class rankings last year. The, at the very worst, one and three. Let me just give me a second. I'm going to pull it up here. And, and pull up my rankings from last season because I, d- I don't have this committed to memory. Uh, Jaden, number one, Christian Gray, number two, and Drake Bowen, number three. Uh, Jaden graded out as a top 50 player and Drake Bowen graded out as a top 100 player. Both had five-star upsides. Loads of talent there. That alone, that one-two punch alone, coming back with Jalen Snead and Jack Kaiser should have you excited about the depth of linebacker position, but there's more i had Preston Zinner ranked as a four star recruit and a top one hundred and fifty kid coming out as well. I he was a I think I had him as like a three and a half star, maybe like a barely in the four star grade as a junior. I liked some stuff about him, but you know, just I liked him. But he came out as a senior. He was bigger. He was more explosive. He was more physical. He was much more productive. His game took a big jump. He's got a really nice frame. He was probably the thickest of the three linebackers, at least like visually looked the longest and thickest of the three freshman linebackers, certainly the longest of the three freshman linebackers, to the point where if you ever have need down the road for a, a Viper, I could see Preston Center becoming that guy. And I've said this before, you know, say, you know, maybe you need another tight end. I'm like, actually, what I would do instead of taking a, a, another 25 tight end, unless it's a dude like Lincoln Cure or Nicholas Thompson, I'd see how the linebacker situation works out this season because if Preston Center doesn't force his way into the too deep this year i may sit down and have a conversation with him about maybe moving over to, to play some h-back because I, he could be a really i mean he's he's davis sherwood with a lot more athleticism and talent i don't mean to disrespect to davis sherwood but that's the role jack kaiser could play but he'd be a much more dangerous weapon and you know that that's the kind of value that i loved about him coming out of high school so i would not count out Preston and zinter either on top of Jaden, Jaden Osbury, Drake Bowen and Jalen State. So those four guys combined with Jack Kaiser says, okay, there's a lot of question marks here. We'll get into those question marks, but man, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent there. And as somebody just noted in the chat, I Drake Bowen as a top hundred player, five-star upside. I had Jaden Osbury as a top 50 player, five-star upside. I had Preston center is a top 150 recruit. I had J- Jalen, uh, Jalen Sneed as a top 50 recruit. Actually, I forget where I had Jalen ranked as far as um, top 50 or whatever. Let me let me pull that one up real quick and, and and remind myself where I had Jalen on defense. I had Jalen as the number one player, and I had Jalen Sneed ranked as a top 50 player as well coming out of high school. And so that's three guys that were very highly ranked. But you could make a case, and, and Andrew Gilmore said this in the chat, and I think he's correct, That Jack Kaiser is the fastest linebacker you have coming back, which speaks volumes about the talent and athleticism that Notre Dame is going to have at linebacker. Talent, athleticism, and potential. But the difference between this group and last year's group, I think this group is even more athletic than last year's group, although I've always said, like, people are like, I'm surprised at how well Maris Leofield and J.D. Bertrand run at the Senior Bowl. We're not. I'm not. That's one thing they could do. Now, can he play in space? Can he... You know, can he get off blocks? Can he do this? That's a different conversation for a different day, but they can run. And so you're going to have plenty of speed, plenty of athleticism, more length overall. And, and I would argue just much more impact talent, but we went from a proven productive group to a group built on potential now. And that's going to be the big concern about it. And so when you, you know, when we talk about what returns, what comes back, and then you we, we'll get into, you know, is, is this a strength or concern? The answer is yes, it's a little bit of both. But here's what moves the needle a little bit for me, and that is it's not just those guys. There's also some newcomers. And, of course, the one newcomer that we're going to see this spring is Kingston Viliyama Asa. Now, we'll talk more about him than we will Bodie Cahoon and Teddy Rizak because they're not going to be on campus this spring. We'll talk more about them when we get into the preview. But by this is why it's so important, so important to stack classes together because Notre Dame had a really good linebacker class in 2022. It was Jalen Sneed. It was Josh Burnham. It was Kingston Villiam. Excuse me. It was Junior Trialamaca, and it was Nolan Ziegler. Well, Nolan Ziegler's no longer on the team, which is a loss because he had some potential. You, you've, you moved Junior tolamaka and Josh Bernard to Viper and you've only got Jalen Snead left, there's a lot of teams that can't could not could struggle to lose that kind of talent at that position. But because you followed that class up with Drake Bowen, Jaden Osbury, and Preston Zinner, and then followed that class up with Kingston Villayama Asa and Bodie Cahoon and Teddy Rizak you're in a much, much better position. I've had some people say, hey, I'm a little concerned about the depth because you ha- you don't have enough for three deep. What you have to remember is Notre Dame is not a pure three linebacker defense. Uh, last season, for example, when you look at the total snaps last year for Notre Dame, Jack Kaiser, which who was the starting rover for Notre Dame last season, played 354 snaps. Thomas Harper, who was the starting nickel, played 438 snaps. So just real quick off my head, that is what, about uh, about 70, 80, 46, 38, about 84 snaps more than Jack Kaiser. So you're really kind of a a two-and-a-half linebacker defense. Eight players for that type of defense is fine because you also, if you're going to count the depth chart for how they actually play, then you have to include Christian, not Christian Gray, excuse me, uh, Jordan Clark, and Micah Bell and potentially Clarence Lewis as part of this conversation as well, because they will play in that, that spot that is sometimes rover, sometimes nickel as well. So I think the numbers are fine. I, I, I think the days of Notre Dame having 10, 11, 12 linebackers are gone because of the way that they play, it, as long as this defense is the, is the key. You get to 9 or 10, that's the most you're going to have. 8 is fine for me. You'd like maybe one more, but 8 is fine for me. I, I I don't count Kahanu Kia. He could play linebacker. We could end up seeing him go to linebacker, but we're going to talk about him more on defensive line because that's where Notre Dame listed him on the roster is as a defensive lineman. So I will assume he's going to be playing Viper. Now that could change, and he could come back and play linebacker. But that I don't, I don't expect a lot from Kahanu this year because he hasn't played football in two years. So we'll focus on the guys they have, the newcomers they have. Jaden Osbury, Drake Bowen, Preston Center, Jalen Snead, Jack Kaiser, very good players to start for a a two-and-a-half linebacker defense, basically. Adding Kingston, to me, changes the game a little bit because Kingston's kind of a, a, a tremendous insurance policy for this Notre Dame coaching staff. Kingston is a kid that physically is ready to play right now. Kingston is a kid that mentally is going to pick things up very quickly. Talk to anyone that's that knows this kid as coaches, as family, as teammates, the Notre Dame people. I mean, you talk to anybody, the one thing they'll say, this kid has a super high football IQ. On top of being 6'3, 230, being a good athlete, being physical and all those type of things. Physicality-wise, strength-wise, he should be able to play right away. Uh, athletically, he should be able to play right away. As long as he doesn't get to Notre Dame and put on 20 pounds. He's the kind of kid that can come in and play right away. So what does that mean? Number one, it means you now have another talented player to be part of this conversation about who's going to play. Number two, a kid like him, if 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 Kingston is as good as we hope he is and we think he can be, it also then pushes the guys in front of him because it's like we've said, competition is a great thing. You find out who really is or isn't your true competitors. What does the presence of Kingston Vimyama Asa do to Drake Bowen? What does it do to Jaden Osbury? What does it do to Preston Zinner and Jalen Snead and those type of players? Does it raise their level of play? If so, great. If it doesn't, if they start pressing themselves, if they don't put in the work, then they get passed up by a talented player. And and so, to me, those are all aspects of, of having a player like him helps you a ton. It helps solidify the inside linebacker depth chart, wherever you're going to play him, if, whether it's Mike or Will. I... I would say right now, if I were starting the spring off and, and Max Bullen and Al Gold said, hey, Brian, where would you have the linebacker start off this spring? I would have Kingston at Mike behind Drake Bowen. And, and that's where I would start him. However, the nice thing about it is, is if you get into the fall and your two best inside linebackers are Drake, some combination of Drake Bowen and Kingston Billy Amasa or Kingston and Jaden Osbury – or Drake and Jaden Osbury, or, or the three of them, all three can play both spots. That's huge. I think that Kingston can play Mike or Will. I think Drake can play Mike or Will, although I prefer him at Mike. And I think Jaden can play Rover, Mike, and Will. I, mean, I think Jaden Osbury can play wherever the heck you want to play him. And I think Jalen C can play Mike or Will, or excuse me, Rover or Will. Jack Kaiser can play Rover or Will. So the nice thing is because of the versatility that that your defense naturally presents by how you play the linebackers, and the fact that all of your linebackers can play multiple spots, even though some are more suited for certain positions, it does allow you a better chance to get your best two on the field together and then to work in different guys. So like I think of like the 20 – was it 2015? I think it was 2015. And and Tavon Coney – if I, let me just pull up the numbers. Because I'm pretty sure I'm at, I believe it was 2015. Yes. No, no. It's 2016. Um, Where Tavon Coney doesn't start for Notre Dame. And he comes off the bench that season. Cause he was a freshman in 2015. Actually, no, was he a for, uh, No, he was a freshman 2014, but Tavon comes in in 2017 and, or 2016. And he's a rotation player. He doesn't start many games, but if you look at the production that year, he was fourth on the team in tackles that season and, and, you know, finished with 61 tackles, had one and a half tackles for loss really came out. And no, no, I'm sorry. It was scratch that it was 2017. I'm looking over this and I'm trying to remember what year was his last year. So 2016 was a sophomore year. He comes in, he's part of the rotation. He has 61 tackles. He has one and a half tackles for loss. He's not a starter, but he has a lot of production. Niles Morgan is a starter. You've got Drew Tranquil is, is playing a lot of ro- or a lot of safety. He had 79 tackles. James Onwall is your rover. You had Greer Martini had 55 tackles. You know, and in, in he was a guy that kind of came off the bench and did a lot of different things. You go fast forward to 2017. And that's the year you really started to see how you can utilize more than just your starters. So you have Drew Tranquil starting at Rover. He finishes with 85 tackles. Greer Martini is your starting Will most of the season. He has 75 tackles. Now is Morgan, as Morgan is your starting Mike, he had 92 tackles. Tavon Coney led your team in tackles with 116 and only started a few games because what you had, and he had 12 and a half tackles for loss, what you had that season was a player who could do both spots he could sub for for Greer. He could sub for Niles. He could kind of play both spots. Niles could kind of move around a little bit that year as well. But you had three inside linebackers that season that produced a lot. Tavon won 16 tackles, Niles 92, Greer Martini 75. And then your Rover had 85 tackles. So having that kind of rotation is something that I'd like to see more of this season. And I'll get into more of that a little bit later. But it is important that you have you have players that can play multiple spots. Because if Tavon couldn't have played both, then you could have only played him at Mike. And the same thing is true this year. If Drake or Kingston or Jay Nalsbury or Preston Zinner or Jalen Snead or whoever's going to be in the rotation can't play multiple spots, then it makes it a little harder to get the kind of rotation that you want. You have a lot more versatility. So there's a lot of talent coming back on this roster. There's talent arriving on this roster. You've got the numbers you need. You've got the length that you want. You have the athleticism that you need. You've got the playmaking potential that you want and need. Now it's about coaching them up and getting them to be able to play. And and as I say, you guys know what I'm going to say. You've got to turn the potential into production. That's the key. And so when I when I ask myself, is the linebacker position a strength or a concern? And we're going to ask ourselves about this with all the positions. My answer is going to be, once again, yes, to both. It's a concern because anytime the conversation is geared towards potential and not production, it's unproven, obviously. And we don't know how this linebacking core is going to handle being part of uh, you know, the the regular rotation, whether guys being starters, whether guys being next in line. We don't know how Drake Bowen can handle a more full-time role if he earns one. We won't know how Jaden Osbury does. We don't know how Jalen Snead will be. The only thing that we know is Jack Kaiser, but with him, even he he may be a bit of an unknown, unknown, excuse me, because we've seen Jack get some spot starts inside in the past. If you remember in 2022, J.D. Bertrand got kicked out of the game at the end of the the Cal game for targeting so he missed the first half of the North Carolina game and they replaced him with Jack Kaiser and Jack did okay in that game and then of course we saw him this year against against uh, Central Michigan play that position but he's been primarily a rover what is this game going to look like if he's primarily a will so there's a lot of questions about it but the reason I also say it's a strength is because I fully expect this linebacking core to take a step back from last year's unit from a can you do are you going to have anyone that can can be the the quarterback of the defense Way jd bertrand was no not not this year are you going to be as consistent from a just doing your job every snap as you were last year no i don't think that you will is there a chance that this group makes more plays yes is there a chance that this group is more impactful in from a production standpoint like you know, negative production, could could you maybe be a more stout run defense this year? Yes, uh, because you're going to be bigger. You're going to be more explosive. You're going to be stronger, most likely. So there's are some areas where you could be better in certain areas, even though you don't have necessarily the, the technical a- a advancement that J.D. had, the conceptual understanding that J.D. had, the ability to get everybody. I mean, J.D. made people around him better. That's the thing. And, and so I'm, I'm excited to see what this group can do, but I'm also kind of cautious um, about what he can do. And so it's going to be interesting. The whole thing is going to be very interesting, but there's certainly loads of potential. And we're going to have a lot more to say about the linebacking core moving forward. So before we get done here, I do want to talk about some of the biggest questions. And and things that we're gonna learn and 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 what these how these questions get answered are gonna tell us a lot about how this linebacking court plays. And the first one, and I pre- and I previewed this a little bit earlier. What are they gonna do with Jack Kaiser? If you actually look at Jack Kaiser in twenty twenty three, Jack was a very a very impactful player for Notre Dame in a lot of ways. I talked about how he only had twelve pressures this year uh and and, you know had had five hits on the quarterback which was less than he had last year but when you break down the numbers you're like okay that that's that's pretty good you know he had double what he had last year from a a pressure standpoint but then you look at the numbers and you're like dude only blitzed 40 times he only rushed the quarterback 40 times he had 12 hits on a quarterback you look at jd i talked about jd had 30 pressures this year he he blitzed 104 times and so, you know, the 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 per snap pressure rate for, for Jack was actually higher. And the hit on the quarterback rate in my in, is higher, just kind of doing the math on my head off top off top of my head was higher than the other two linebackers. And then Marist blitzed 129 times. And so that's three times as much. So even if you actually it's over three times as much. So if you triple what Jack Kaiser had this year on number of pass rushes. He'd have had 120 pressures. That's still nine fewer than Maris, but let's just go with the triple. And and he stays at the same impact rate. He'd have had 36 pressures, which would have been third on the entire defense behind Howard Cross and two behind Javante Jean-Baptiste. And Jack also would have had, let's see, he had five, so he had had 15 hits on the quarterback. The only person on the roster that had more than 15 hits on the quarterback is Javante Jean-Baptiste, who had 16. So again, it's important to look at context on a per-snap basis how impactful he was as a pass rusher. Jack didn't have as many tackles for loss this season, some of those aspects, but he wasn't in those positions a lot. I'm very curious how they're going to use Jack this year. I I would expect, and this is more of a prediction than uh, – this is 100% a prediction, and, and I don't have inside knowledge of this or, or what they're going to do, but my my thought will be is that they'll – work him inside early and then make someone beat him out inside and then put him back out at Rover if that happens. But either way, I expect Jack to do both at the very least do both. Cause let's just say hypothetically that I'm correct and they're going to give Jack a chance to start inside, whether it's Mike or will. And I would, will would make a way more sense in, in certain areas to me. <sighs> you're, you're going to want to have air times where Jack can be on this field at the same time as whoever the other Wills are. So you still want to play him at Rover. The The problem with playing Jack at Will on a more full-time basis is you're going to have the same problem you had in 2021 with J.D. Bertrand. J.D. was a really good player in 2021. And we've said this a million times, J.D. can run. I mean, J.D. is learning starting Will in 2021, had 101 tackles. That season, 63 solo tackles that season, seven tackles for losses. in I'm starting Will. But when did JD get in trouble? It was in coverage. He's not creating space. And also he's six foot six, one with not very long arms. Well, I would, I would assume I, just looking at him. I, I think Jack's got slightly longer arms, but if he does, it's not by much. It's slight. And I think Jack's faster than JD, but not by a ton. The fact of the matter is he's going to have the same Length issues, running up the seams, run, get trying to get up under in cuts, trying to play that hook curl zone, trying to play deep middle, trying to run with vertical routes up the seam. He's going to have the same issues running with corner routes into the boundary that, he, that JD had in 2021. Because I don't care how fast he is. I don't care how smart he is. He's still 6'1", with not very long arms. And so that's the danger with playing him at will. At Rover, you're not asking him to do that as much. He can be fast. He can come down and play. You know, he can drop under hook curl to the field. He can play the flats. He can play the screen. He can he can be your force player against the run. He can do a lot of different things. So I still hope that they're going to play him a lot at rover. And you know he he did some nice things at at will in the bowl game, but we we also saw in that game that he just he's not super impactful in my opinion inside. Uh, on first and second down. I would like to see him maybe be more of of an inside guy on third down where you can rush him and and play man coverage against backs and things like that. But also – but on first second down, I'd love it if if J.D.'s at rover still. The thing is, however, is you got to – somebody's got to prove – somebody's got to show you like, hey, I don't need Jack inside because the benefit to having Jack inside at will is he does know the defense. He is that – He's the one guy at your on your roster that could, could best handle the mental part, the getting people lined up part. And so there's value to having Jack inside in that regard, where he can kind of tell everybody where they need to go and, and get people lined up. But his game isn't best suited for that. And my fear is that if you play Jack inside exclusively, that you take away some of the impact that he can bring to the table as a rover. On early downs, and so I'm curious to see kind of how Notre Dame plays this. It, perfect world, he's still your starting rover, and then you move him inside on pass downs when you're more nickel stuff. And then when you're in a true nickel defense, you can have him inside as part of the rotation as well. He'll he'll play more snaps that way than he did last year. He'll have chances to make more production, but you're not asking him to be a full time inside linebacker because I think that takes away from what has made Jack an impactful player the last couple of years. If you do that, but that's, the, uh, but all of this is conjecture. It's all discussion. We don't know where Jack's going to play, or at least I don't know where Jack's going to play this spring. And then just because he lines up somewhere this spring doesn't mean that's where he's going to be in the fall. And a lot of that's going to be, you know, the, the next big question, which is number two is who steps up this spring. You, you kind of know what you're going to get from Jack, wherever you're going to play him, but who steps up after that? And a lot of guys need to step up. And I, and I don't know who that's going to be at this point in time. This is a big offseason for Jalen Sneed. He's got some younger, talented players breathing down his neck. What we've seen from Jaden in the first two years he's played is he's very athletic. He's very twitchy. He's an explosive athlete, but he's not a real good uh, player when it comes to technical advancement. We saw him miss a lot of tackles early in the season. He hasn't been great when it comes to uh, knowledge assignment, you know, being knowledge uh, assignment correct. In my opinion, we see him miss gaps. We see him, you know, take the wrong angle when taking on blocks and those type of things you just can't do. And he's going to have to get better at that. I mean, we saw him against Tennessee State, missed three tackles, missed another tackle against Central Michigan. He's just a guy that has not turned his – we saw him, you know, same thing in the bowl game, had a missed tackle in the bowl game. He's a guy that has not been able to turn his elite physical gifts – into that level of play yet? Can that change in year three? Don't know. I hope so, but I don't know. The very least Jalen gives you value as a pass rusher, but you need, you want him to do more. You want him to be able to be a guy that can step in there and say, hey, I can play Will, I can play Rover, I can be a first, second down linebacker. I'm not just a third down guy. You hope that he can prove that is, you know, how does, how does Jaden Osbury going to do this off season? He got a lot of work under his belt and practice and scout team and some reps with the twos and things along those lines. You know, he's going into his second spring. Can he make a jump and and push himself into that conversation? You all know, I think very highly of Jaden Osbury as a player. He was probably my favorite recruit in 23 class. Not, I don't know, or 22 class or no. Yeah. 23 class. I don't know why, you know, it's just. But I just remember the first time I watched this kid. I'm just like, dude, I love this kid's game. I mean, it's just, it's so good. He's not long. He's not real tall. He's not real big. Guys, is a heck of a football player. I also think he came to the Notre Dame a bit raw technically, and so I think he's a guy that if he has a good year as far as learning the defense, could be a guy that makes a big splash. I'll be real disappointed and honestly quite surprised if Jaden Alsbury not in the rotation this year. I'll, I'll say he's a better football player than Prince Colley was. He is a more instinctive football player than Prince Kali was. And we saw Prince on, on in the rotation in 2022. So I, I, I think I think he is a player in Jaden Osborne that has a chance to really be a difference maker for Notre Dame uh, it, it, down the road. What will he be in 2024? That's the bigger question. Does Preston Zinner step up this offseason if he gets an opportunity? Does Kingston Viliama Asa kind of step into that role and step up I don't know who's gonna. that's going to be. They need those guys to do it. And, and I'll be honest with you. I'm a little concerned about Drake Bowen from this standpoint. I think Drake Bowen could be a really outstanding football player. Everybody knows that. But I'll be honest. I am concerned about him playing baseball this spring. I don't have any problem with players playing multiple sports. No problem with it. And I would never tell Drake, don't play baseball. This is his life. He loves baseball. He loves football. He's got the talent to do both. I understand it. I'm just going to tell you this from my perspective. The position he plays is unique. It's not like wide receiver. It's not like corner. It's not like a lot of positions where I think a guy can play multiple sports. Jordan Faison is going to have a lot easier time playing football and lacrosse than Drake Bowen and, and still growing his game in football. Then Drake will be able to do both and grow his game as football. Now, there's a chance he's at almost every practice because of the, you know, if, if they've got a game and he's not starting, he can still be at practice. But there's a lot more to it than that. It's also about what kind of film time is he missing by being at baseball practice? What type of extra work that he might otherwise put in if he wasn't playing baseball is he going to miss? That's where my concern is. And then can he make that up in the winter or excuse me, in the summer and in the fall camp? that's the question I have. I would be more confident in Drake making a big year to jump if he wasn't playing baseball. I'm just going to be honest. Now I could be wrong about this. And I hope that I am because I would love for Drake to be able to achieve all of his dreams as a baseball player and a football player. That'd be awesome. But I'm just being honest about what my concerns are because he plays Mike linebacker. And remember at the beginning, when I talked about all the things you're losing from J.D. Bertrand from a a leadership standpoint and a knowledge of the defense standpoint and a getting everybody lined up standpoint. That's what, that's what Drake is going to be asked to do. That's the position he plays and not that he can't do both. It's just a lot harder to do both. Plus you have to deal with all the, the academic pieces of it. So I'm, I'm concerned about it from that standpoint. If however, Drake is able to handle it just fine. And and again, Drake's a freaky athlete, so for all I know, he's going to be able to handle it just fine. I'm I'm just expressing my concerns. If he is able to handle it, then he's a guy that I anticipate making a big jump this year because I think Drake has – he's downhill explosive, tackle to tackle. He's twitchy. He's explosive. Little bit of tightness at times, but I think his tightness has more to do with uh, the technical aspects than it does he's necessarily tight. I think he can be an explosive downhill player. I think he's got a chance to be a a pretty good coverage player. I know a lot of people talk about the sluggo he got beat on in the bowl game, but go back and watch that game. They did that to him like a few other times. They tried to beat him outside on routes early in the game, and he handled it every time. I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong on this thing, maybe J.D. did it once, but I'm pretty sure that, that every time they put a running back outside and tried to run a route on them, it was when Drake was in the game. Smart coaching. But he covered the first three or four of those times and, of course, fell for the the slant and go later in the game. It's part of the learning process. I'm not too worried about it. But he's got the range. He's got the athleticism. He's got the physicality. He's got all the tools to be a great linebacker at Notre Dame. It's just, will he be able to do all that while also playing baseball? That's my question. I don't know the answer to that. And so I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm saying I don't know if he can do it. And we're going to find out starting this spring because they need they need Drake Bowen to be the guy that we all think he can be. Because if he is, he's got the playmaking potential to overcome what you're going to lose from a leadership and a knowledge of the defense getting everybody lined up. And then eventually, the more he plays, the more he'll be able to be that guy that gets everybody lined up and has the knowledge of the defense. Because it's not that he can't be what J.D. was eventually – I mean, J.D. didn't have the knowledge of the defense he had in 2023 when he was a freshman and a sophomore. That came in time, right? It came senior year and redshirt senior year. So Drake's got the ability. I just wonder if he can do it while playing both sports. And and I hope that he he does. Jaden Alsbury, Jalen Snead, Preston Center, Kingston, it's going to be a fun spring to watch all these guys. I'm also curious how the rotation is going to be expanded. I do fully expect them to play more linebackers this year. I understand why they didn't play more linebackers last year because there was such a gap between where guys were. I mean, where, where JD was and where the next Mike was from just knowing the entire defense and being ready to run the defense was was not great. And honestly, Notre Dame's defense wasn't on the field a ton this year. And so there wasn't necessarily that, that need, in my opinion, to have to force – yourself into a rotation. I mean, when, when you look at J.D.'s snap numbers this year, they didn't rotate a ton, but J.D. only played over 60 snaps five times all year. I mean, that's not a ton of snaps. I mean, against, you know, he only played 37 against Tennessee State, only played 41 against Navy, only 41 against Pitt, only 46 against NC State, only 48 against Wake, 49 against Stanford. Then he had 63 against Louisville, 69 against Ohio State, 70 against Duke, 71 against Clemson, and 78 against USC. And and so when you look at the numbers, you're like, that's not a that's not a ton. I mean, that's not a ton. For example, in 2021, JD played 753 snaps in 2021. So I said this year he played over 50 snaps five times. If you go back to 2021, he played over 50 snaps seven times and played over 40 snaps in all but two games right and so he played a lot fewer snaps this year because the defense wasn't on the field as much uh just to give you an example this year the Notre Dame defense was on was on the field for 809 plays last year's 831 so that's 22 fewer plays but Notre Dame had nine blowouts and so that allowed them to get JD off the field more and, and same thing with with Marist and, and Jack Kaiser. And so all those guys you know played fewer snaps this year. And so that, to me, allows allowed Notre Dame to not have to play a deeper rotation. I think this year, however, I think you're going to see them do more of that because there isn't going to be the same gap between the one and two when it comes to knowledge of the defense. You're not going to see the same uh, gap this year as far as talent uh, and knowledge or, 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 and when I mean talent, I don't mean talent, like, you know, obviously Drake Bowen had more talent, but just the, there was just not the need to put another guy in there to get something that you weren't getting from your starters is kind of what I'm going for with that one. When you also look at the fact that they didn't have the the knowledge of the defense that, that the other guys did. So I expect them to play at least four linebackers this year. I could see it going to five, uh, this season, as far as just normal game rotation, How will that be expanded? That's something I want to see. And then also, how are they going to adapt the defense, if at all? Because you don't have J.D. Bertrand. You don't have Maris Leifau. You have different players with different strengths. How are they going to adapt the linebacker position? And then how is Al Golden going to adjust to a younger roster? Last year, Notre Dame had 10 players in the starting lineup that were seniors or older. The only exception was Benjamin Morrison. You had two true seniors a fifth-year senior, and a sixth-year senior on the defensive line. You had three fifth-year seniors at linebacker. You had a fifth-year senior at field corner, a sixth-year senior at safety, and a true senior at the other safety spot. You're going to be a lot younger this year, especially at linebacker. You're going to have a sixth-year senior, Jack Kaiser. And then after that, it's a redshirt sophomore, uh, a true sophomore, some a couple redshirt freshmen, and then true freshmen. Way different experience level with this group. You have, you can't, you would, you are not a smart coach. If you say, I know that you're not, you know, you're a second year player, but I need you to do everything that JD Bertrand did last year. I don't know that that's necessarily fair to ask. And I think you're setting your players up to fail. So to me, you got to adjust to having younger players at this position. How do, and I expect them to, Al Golden's a smart guy. He didn't get to this point in his life by, by by not being smart I, I think he'll adapt that doesn't mean you don't demand a lot from them and you eventually you're trying to build him to the point where he can handle all that but you don't necessarily say hey, we last year we could run 17 pressure packages that require the linebackers this year we can only run 10 just throwing a random number out there because this is the level that these kids can handle right now and so there's some different things like that you know last year we had X number of coverage stuff this year we may we may change that a little bit and we're only gonna have the linebackers do this because we're younger there so i'm curious to see how he's going to do that so overall to wrap up the linebacker breakdown there's a lot of talent in this position there's a lot of experience at this position how this position develops from now until september or really late august when they head down to to, to college station how this position group and develops throughout the season then, because they'll get better as the season goes on, hopefully is could really be the missing link between, is this still a good top 15 type of defense, which I think is the floor for this defense, or can it still be a top 10 defense again, which it was last year, if not top five and can they then be that, can they be that elite? We can compete for a championship because of us defense. I think the linebacker, um, I think the linebacker position to me is going to tell, is going to determine that. I think they're going to be great up front. I think the secondary has a chance to be even better this season, at the very least, just as good. The linebacker position is the one that could take a big step back, or it could be just as impactful, just in a different way. There's also a small chance. That the young players emerge, they grow, they develop. Al Golden does a great job of building the defense around where they are, and he allows their athleticism and their talent to take over. And there's nobody good enough to expose their youth. That is where they can take an even bigger step. Um, we're gonna find out which one that is. So all the questions, all the talent, we all we went through all of that stuff. This is an important position for Notre Dame, and that's why I wanted to talk about it first because this is the biggest unknown about this team. But the exciting part is there's so much talent. That's the awesome thing. I'm going to make an executive decision here, folks. I am not going to go through the breakdown of the 2024 defensive class. I'm going to try to do that next week. We're already over an hour and a half into this show. And there's some questions in there that that I want to get to and answer and some discussion that we'll have here uh, as we move forward as well. So I really appreciate Uh, all the questions. Thanks to Ryan for coming in and starting all those questions so I could just focus on doing the show. So we're going to go to a mailbag next here after I take a little bit of a quick break. But before we go to the mailbag, folks, do me a favor, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast with all your friends, not just physically share, like hitting the share button and sharing it, but also let people know. Let people know, um, you know, about what we're doing here at Irish Breakdown. And then of course, sign up for the message board right there at boards at